From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Oh, we've got a beautiful Monday on the way across the state of Wisconsin. Good morning, everyone. Fabulous farming, Pam Youngke. Welcome to it. Sunshine on the way today, 72. Tomorrow, we've got about a 30% chance of rain, 71. Wednesday, sunshine and 79. Thursday, sunshine and 80 degrees. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist paints a few more details in on that forecast in about 15 minutes. Governor Tony Evers has proclaimed this as Wisconsin Farm Safety and Health Week. Of course, we're getting closer and closer to the harvest of 2023 and paying attention to safety, absolutely critical. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics in 2021, Transportation accidents, including tractor overturns and roadway crashes, were the largest cause of death in agriculture. We want to make sure that number is not escalating, in fact, decreasing. Charity Seebecker is going to have a quick update on that. And Nate Zimdars joins us this morning as well. You know, we talk a lot about the policy that influences agriculture, but what about those people that are policymakers? What does it take to be a good policymaker for Wisconsin agriculture? He takes a deeper dive on that on the way. New location, new vision, same goal. The Farm and Industry Short Course is producing high-quality graduates ready for success in the dairy industry. The oldest agriculture training program in Wisconsin has stood the test of time. The 16-week program returns for fall 2023 at UW-River Falls. Learn from world-class faculty, live in the residence halls, earn college credits, and create lifelong friendships. Register today at uwrf.edu. When traveling in Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Ireland, you don't see a lot of barns. You see a lot of the animals, sheep, cattle, on pasture, the 40 shades of green as the weather is conducive to not needing a lot of barns. I'm Bob Bolsold from the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. And on our recent tour of that part of the world, we were in Northern Ireland to stop at the Glenshane Country Farm, a sheep operation owned by Jamesy McCloy and his family. We talked to Jamesy about his operation and what the sheep farm is all about. So we would have been traditionally running uh, always 200 plus head of sheep here. They would have had up on 350 plus lambs. Uh, meat would have been the main thing that we would have been selling because wool would have been low value. What we did do here was I started to breed a higher quality sheep to sell replacement ewe lambs to other farmers in the area, which was working very well. In 2018, we started a self-catering property on the farm, and the, f- the second family to come to visit us was an American family from Pennsylvania. With them showing so much interest in my history, heritage, along we were on the farm, about the farm, the sheep. It, it, it led on to more of, a, of an offering where I started to move into the, the sheepdogs at work. Uh, I did it for them just for a laugh to, to let them see it because they really wanted to see sheep up close and it grew then into an idea where I thought I could make this a standalone business. By upgrading the sheep, what did you do? What kind of breeds did you include in that and uh, what kind of a program were you on? And, and were these sheep that you were looking to get available here? Yeah, so good question. Traditionally, we would have been working, my grandfather or father would have worked with Suffolk cross sheep put back to a Texel ram. And that was leaving us, we were producing meat-type finished lambs. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I started to try to raise the quality, what I was trying to do was create a mother sheep for other farmers. So I started to work with the mule, which would be produced via a blue Leicester and a Scottish blackface. That mule that I was buying on the farm 
I was then putting back to a Suffolk ram, which gave us Suffolk mule ewe lambs. And farmers were then buying our Suffolk mule ewe lambs to carry on with their Texels, Charlies, whatever types of breeds they preferred. What did that give them? Better wool production, uh, better meat quality? What did that mule give them? So the mule for us that we were buying in gave us a good ram lamb that we could sell for meat, but a high quality ewe lamb that other farmers could buy. Because the mule traditionally would be a very milky, birthy sheep, uh, by putting that back to Suffolk, we were then producing a milky, birthy offspring, but with a little bit more body to it. So again, you're that step closer away from a mother and sheep to a finished, uh, a finished lamb, a stronger, heavier carcass finished lamb. A little bit like your Holstein cows are really good at milking, but they're maybe not ideal for meat. And your your more heavy bred uh, pedigree cattle that your limousines and that would maybe be more Charlies or more muscly but maybe not as milky so it's just like that it's that crossbred hybrid vigour we were aiming for and, and again that at that time that's that's what was working well for us. Where is the market? You said you're helping other people upgrade their their flocks but where is the market right now in this part of the world as far as meat and for wool? For from the meat point of view there's a lot of markets fairly locally uh, there's three markets actually within a uh, 15 mile radius of us here, really successful markets. So we would sell at any of them markets. We also have people that would have come and bought off the farm. Because we have changed our farming practice to more tailor it to suit that we are still a genuine working farm, but more so uh, putting our tourists and our tourist business first, that we can really showcase what I feel people want to see, like that 12 seas or that 12 months of, of sheep farming and, and the few years they're here. That's left, we have to lamb all year round, we're shearing all year round, so we're manipulating different things within the farm to showcase it as best we can because we feel when people make the effort to leave another country and include us in their itinerary, we want to give them the best we possibly can give them and that's what we've tried to achieve here. And of course uh, you do show us how you manage the flocks with the dogs. What kind of dogs work best here in this part of the world? Because we've got uh, healers, we've got border collars, we've got uh, all kinds of breeds. Do you have a straight breed dog here or do you crossbreed? Our breeds that we use on the farm that would be most traditionally used, we find throughout uh, Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales, is your border collie. When you start talking about Australia, New Zealand, America, you start, and as you chatted about them, other types of dogs, Kelpies, that type of thing, uh, the border collie works, works well for us. They're, they're very intelligent, they're a natural herder, they want to please and in our environment with the flocks that we're working with, the size of the flocks, the size of the fields that we're dealing with, um, if they're trained into that area and with the sheep and everything gels between the master and the dog if you like, it, uh, it's, it's a really great combination and it works well in our environment. Talk about training the dogs and uh, as you were explaining to our group you've got uh, different terms, uh, come by, walk on, get back, things like that. Is that a common language among all trainers such as yourself or does everybody have their own little language that their own dogs will interpret? And, or in other words, if you sell a dog, if the new trainer or the new owner is going to say stand by, the dog's going to understand it. Or is it a common language? It's, the wording is generally common. The language can change at times when things are going wrong. <laughs> but we, we, we won't get into that. <laughs> but what words you use then? We generally try and, and operate the dogs on a certain warden. So our way come by would be very common. Um, left and right is also common uh, with some of our dogs trained in Irish. It means that I'm talking to some of them in Irish and some of them in English again to try and 
encourage that that differential that which dog I'm actually speaking to. And that's that's the key. Um, Any time the dog makes a mistake, I'm always looking back at myself thinking, what could I have done to make that better? I never blame the dog, even though the dog does sometimes do it wrong. But it's usually back to me. If I see something going wrong, it's up to me to try and set up that scenario again in a more controlled environment and see if we can try and tease out the problems. It's like the dogs make mistakes, I make mistakes. We're part of a team. As long as we can get the work done that we need to get done, and the dog understands what I'm asking of it, that's key, no matter what the words are, as long as the dog understands what I'm asking. And that's what I find the whistles work really well. Getting back to, to the sheep, and of course you come to Ireland and they say the, the 40 shades of green, mm-hmm. which means there's grass here all the time. But do you supplement it? How good is this grass as far as protein for the sheep, especially for lactating the lactating use? Our best grass is the springtime, springtime, mm-hmm. summertime. When you're into the winter, um, the grass wouldn't have the same quality, same dry matter, matter content. Generally, although we haven't done it as well as I would like to have done it at home, reseeding every seven year, five, you know, six to seven years is a good, a good time to replace the old grass with new grass because new grass, the way that the stock thrive on that short, new, rich grass is, is phenomenal compared to older grasses. Uh, also, the stage of the grass growth when the sheep are introduced to the fields definitely makes a difference as well. We find with lambing all year round for a new tourism uh, enterprise, the sheep that lamb through the summer on grass need no supplementation. The sheep that we are wintering, that's eating silage that we have cut through the summer and have saved and are feeding during the winter, depend on the quality of the silage. When we test it and how the sheep are thriving on it will depend on our supplementation, but we generally have to give them something. The grass will be what kind of protein? Will it be 13% protein, 14% when you test? What do you, what do you find, the high, highest quality grass that you put up for silage? Well, I find our silage, the protein and the, the feedback we get from it on a nutritional point of view is most definitely higher the drier we have it. Dry silage is definitely key. Cutting the silage at six, seven weeks young grass is key as long as the nitrogen is out of the ground. If there's nitrogen still trapped in the ground and it's trapped in the grass, then that can affect the quality of the silage. Um, but again, from the dry matter, the, the, the feedback and the readings we get back from our results will dictate what, how much meal we'll use. Generally, we're feeding in around about 18 to 20% crude protein. What's easier to work with, the sheep and the dogs or the tourists? <laughs> All the tourists, of course. <laughs> and it's a great visit if you want to find out about the sheep industry in this part of the world. Glen Shane Country Farm, James E. McCloy and his family, great hosts, a great demonstration, and you'll learn a lot about the sheep industry, about the dogs that they use. It's a, it's a great visit. With James E. McCloy, I'm Bob Osold. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. At Tom's Auto Center, we like to say we're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Because we're one of the largest independent auto shops in the area. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. With 12 bays and a lively group of highly skilled mechanics, we're able to do just that. Tom'sAutoCenter.com. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. 
Staying connected with Wisconsin agriculture from your phone is now easier than ever with the Farm App. It's your source for the latest news, weather, and up-to-date markets. Catch up on our daily podcast and join the conversation on the topics that are directly impacting you. You can download the Farm App in Apple iTunes or Google Play stores by searching 97.7 FM The Farm, or you can visit MidwestFarmReport.com. Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone, regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation, for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit MHImaging.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Roofing windows, gutters, siding, and decks. Can Legacy do it? You bet. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Thank you very much to you rainfall reporters that are catching me up on what kind of rainfall you saw over the weekend. It looks like we may get a chance for the rest of the rainfall reporters to chime in later this week. Time for our Compure Financial Ag Weather Updates. Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, along with us. Uh, so far, I see Greg from West Bend picked up six-tenths of an inch of rain. Uh, the big one, Kyle, down by Evansville, 1.2 inches. Uh, Kirby up by La Crescent, about four-tenths of an inch on Saturday. Uh, let's see. Yep, it looks like about a half an inch or so also by Alto. Let's talk uh, .05, I should say. Let's talk a little bit about what's uh, shaking out. Today looks beautiful, but then tomorrow, trying to decide, do I dress for rain or what's coming up? Well, what chance is going to be there tomorrow, Pam, but it's just that, a chance. Uh, oh, I don't know, what do you say? Very scattered here and there and not really much going to show up with the rain possibility as we look toward Tuesday. Today, a beautiful day, much like yesterday. Sunshine, nice temperatures, some patchy fog this morning. Lacrosse, Boston, into central Wisconsin. Fear not, that burns off in a couple of hours, and we ought to brighten up and have another very fine day indeed. But we're looking at low pressure way out to the west, and a front that's going to turn into a warm front in Nebraska and Kansas, push up through Missouri into Iowa late today, into the day tomorrow. That will help to warm us up, of course but could lead to a bit of a rain chance, a slight possibility in the west and south, uh, very late tonight or into Tuesday, real hit or miss type stuff. If it develops, we all start to fall in line with that chance of a shower or a storm later Tuesday into Tuesday night. I think by midweek, we dry it out. That warm front's through. A more organized system pushing in from the west could lead to a little more likelihood of some rain on toward later Friday or as we look toward the weekend. But initially, what could even develop for some of us late tonight may last around as a chance just too early Wednesday. And I don't expect a whole lot, a tenth of an inch or so, if we see that much, kind of scattered like it was over the weekend, where some folks got a lot, others got almost nothing. Exactly how this one's going to work. But the warm front moving in is going to make a bit of a difference. It's going to bring in some warmer air. So temperatures begin to moderate. That sounds fantastic. 
warming up a little more as we head through today, tomorrow, and on toward Wednesday. In fact, 80s for highs look to be more likely by Wednesday, Thursday, even into the day Friday. A real summertime spell once again as that mild air is going to filter on in and bring that summer condition back to being. And I don't expect too many big changes after that. A lot of the uh, regional guidance here has been telling us for later in the week from Wednesday on that there's going to be a lot of summertime weather with those 80-degree temperatures and not much of a rain threat. So maybe that sprinkle close to a tenth of an inch as we move through Tuesday would be welcome because it dries out and stays a lot warmer from here on out until we start looking ahead toward the weekend when that next possibility for a little rain may try to edge on in. I'll be back with our forecast details right after this. With harvest season upon us, Compere Financial extends awareness to the importance of farm safety and wishes farmers and growers a safe harvest season. At Compere Financial, we are defined by you. Your hopes for the future as well as your needs today. Visit Compere.com or call 844-426-6733 to learn more. Compere Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved. This year, Dairyland Seed is introducing our best corn of all time. Again, that sound you just heard? That's the sound of a full lineup of top-performing hybrids bringing the yield like never before. It's the sound of even stronger traits bred specifically to boost corn bushels per acre in your soil. And it's the sound of workhorse corn seed proven to outperform yet again in independent head-to-head -head trials. See the latest corn performance data at showmethecornyield.com. That's showmethecornyield.com. Alrighty, Stu, let's talk about that uh, weather. Yeah, like you said, today looks beautiful. Uh, anybody got a better chance for rain tomorrow versus another section? Not really. It will highlight more into western and southern Wisconsin. Uh, La Crosse, Mauston, Madison, maybe Beaver Dam, a slight chance at Fond du Lac. Just not going to be a big deal if it develops, you know, enough to be a nuisance is about it. Otherwise, the Compere Financial Ag Weather Forecast does include some patchy fog this morning, west and south, not so much in the east. But I look forward to more sunshine today. Certainly a sunny and nice day. Low 70s in a lot of places. Mid-70s are better at La Crosse, with winds becoming south at about 5. Overnight, clouds increase. That slight rain chance west and south late in the nighttime. Mid-50s for a lot of us with the southeast winds at 5 to 10. More clouds on Tuesday and a few scattered showers early, maybe again late in the day. I don't expect to be a big deal as far as rain. Low 70s, could be mid-70s at La Crosse. South winds 5 to 15. And by Wednesday, we start to dry it out, head up toward the low 80s. And the south winds at 5 to 10. Low 80s with sun on Thursday and Friday, Pam, the end of the week. Sounds like a real summer spell. Boy, that is nice, yeah. Especially when you can kind of dissipate the humidity, you know what I mean? Even the bugs are a little bit less. Uh, this is a good time of the year to have that grill going. Well, you weren't sitting out at the tractor pull yesterday afternoon when the flies and when the yeah. uh, wasp found out we were there. Come yeah. on. Yeah, I did notice the flies, and they're, it's getting to be that time of the year when they're kind of slow and clunky, but I'll take it. I'm good with this. All right, you deal with it. All right, buddy. Catch you tomorrow. Thanks. All right, see ya. Stu Mutker, Ag Meteorologist with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial is your financial partner for agriculture and rural America. Find out details and a bunch of great resources all available online at Compure.com. 
www.farmsafetyweek.com. This is the beginning of National Farm Safety Week, and here in Wisconsin, we take that seriously. Coming up, Charity Seaback are going to visit with some folks from the uh, OSHA agency to tell you why it's important that you're paying attention to safety, not just this week, but every day down on the farm. And if you've ever thought about running for office, sometimes getting your wheels going can be a little bit of a challenge. Nate Zimdar gives us an update on that. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I think the collaboration that we see between Wisconsin Farm Bureau and these other commodity groups gives us a cohesive message, a singular stance in agriculture that offers credibility. It gives us a cohesive message and support for all of our agricultural organizations. WFBF. It's easy to join. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Ready to ride? Just let me get my flip-flops on. Whoa, Mom and Dad are going for a ride without their protective gear. Quick, grab the checklist. I'll grab the gear. Just where do you two think you're going without your safety gear? Yeah, you know how we feel about riding without your gear. Well, um, it's so nice out. And we're only going for a short ride. Not before you put all this gear on, you're not. But, ahem, riding pants? Okay. Check. Motorcycle boots? Bye-bye, flip-flops. Check. Armored jackets? Nice. Check. Riding gloves? Two pairs. Check. Last but not least, full-face helmets. Check. Check. Now you're ready to ride. And you look cool. All the gear, all the time. Zero in Wisconsin. Together, we can save lives. Learn more at zeroinwisconsin.gov. Be home on time for dinner. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Department of Transportation. Eastman Chemical Sun Prairie continues to grow with opportunities for material handlers starting at $21.60 an hour. Three weeks vacation prorated to start, plus holidays and a personal day. 401k, profit sharing, and outstanding health insurance. Start your new career as a material handler at Eastman by applying online at Eastman.com. Eastman Chemical Sun Prairie, Eastman.com. Transforming materials that improve everyday life. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey. Want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age related fat loss. 
The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Hi, it's Preston from Window World. And although I'd love to talk your ear off about windows, today's all about doors. Your front door can say a lot about you. Window World specializes in turning a bland entrance into a grand entrance. We have top quality products, a variety of paint and stain options, and certified factory trained installers. It's a no-brainer. Visit us at windowworldmadison.com. Since 1995, the Global Positioning System, or GPS, developed by the U.S. military, Here we go. has been operational for civilian use. Please proceed to the highlight Today, the men and women of the Air Force Reserve continue their vital mission, guiding you safely on your way while protecting the freedoms we all enjoy. The United States Air Force Reserve, guiding and protecting America. And Jesse got to interview Kentis Lewis on his way out. He's also um, put the article up at the, at the athletic.com. He always does those, right? Yeah, here's a little snippet. This is from Kentis Lewis. Quote, what would you do in this position? Zero snaps, not getting any love. I feel like I just did what anyone would have done that was in my shoes. Hit the transfer portal. I, the only thing I would say is when it, was, game. When it was spring practices, I feel like, and now granted, this <laughs> I've never been in this position, but I'm seeing if I was where I'm clearly seeing that Skylar Bell and Chimray DK, the guys that were here before me. But he at was the same as the third number one, right? At, top, but what at, at the there? same thing, though, he like they're they were better than me before they were higher on the depth chart. It's hard to run them down. Yeah. And then they bring in these three new guys and clearly green was a good player at Oklahoma state. Yep. And CJ Williams was the high recruit that showed potential at USC before getting hurt. And then they bring in their own guy and will Pauling. And we, we didn't even mention it cause he hasn't really been a factor, but they also brought in their own guy from Cincinnati and Quincy Burroughs. Mm. Yeah. Like yep. you are going to be falling on the depth chart unless you are just by far one of the best receivers out there. And I don't, I don't know cause I wasn't at practice, but it doesn't feel <laughs> like watching the guys compete so far through two weeks that he was that much head and shoulders better than guys that would have better relationships or ins. It just feels like you're the odd man out. You probably should have <laughs> saw this coming and transferred before the season started. But, with Temple and Heilprin, they were both talking. Well, all off while season, we were in the open practices, he was running with the ones. Yeah, Kansas Lewis was the one every practice jumping out. Yeah. Like, that's what Zach and Jesse were all talking about. Like, Kansas Lewis was the only one impressing. Kansas Lewis was one of a handful of guys impressing. Kansas Lewis is running with the ones impressing. It's it's one of those though. It might have been an overreaction to one game. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't get snaps in so a game. If you go to uh, Ken Liu, Cantus uh, Lewis's brother's Twitter account, he's like he's retweeting Zach Halpern from February about how Cantus Lewis is the top uh, of the chart here. There's another one, practice nine, just got done from April. It's not many fireworks though. Cantus Lewis brought it. 
Uh, you can go down the list here. Uh, Ken Lewis, Captain Lewis's brother, retweets Zach Heilprin about uh, politics, not production. When Cantus uh, yeah. Lewis got jumped, uh, dumped to a uh, second team, and he, <laughs> he's retweeting Ben Kenny too. He's going all over the place. Yeah, Cantus uh, Lewis's brother about how great his brother was and all the fanfare he was getting from uh, you know us and the reporters, and now saying basically Pepsi's pulling the strings and it's politics, it's, yeah. not production. Yep. Wild. Do you think though, out of those six receivers that we basically named that were the top six on the depth chart? It feels like they're all quality wide receivers. Mm. Yeah. Like I to I mean, me, if you told me that CJ Williams was the odd man out because Keontes Lewis was better than I mean, him, okay. I would have I would have understood. Yeah. If if you would have said, Well, you know, in practice Skylar Bell hasn't looked quite as good and see his numbers haven't he hasn't been putting much up and, th- and then he became the sixth guy, I would have been like, That makes sense. Or like Green. He was injured a lot in the you know, leading up to this. He, you know, he's kind of fell, fallen behind. He didn't necessarily have the playbook. Whatever. Yeah. If you could have made an argument to me out of any of those top six that if they had fallen to number six, I'd be like, eh, makes sense. I mean, right. they're all quality wide receivers. And, and we've already talked about this with the offense not being fully there yet. They're figuring things out. Yeah. Like, so you didn't get snaps in a game. He, he didn't chances, even step off the sideline. Chances are next game, though. He'll probably be back in there because they're figuring things out. Yeah, Cantus Lewis, uh, let's see here. Last year, 20 catches, third on the team with 20 catches, 313 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he caught one pass for 12 yards uh, against Buffalo and then traveled to Washington State but did not step off well, the sideline. To RJ's point about figuring stuff out, it feels like this should have been a, wow, we have six quality wide receivers. They also brought in a couple of other guys. So we're talking about a room that has eight, nine wide receivers that I'm probably pretty sure that this coaching staff feels pretty confident in. Mm -hmm. Obviously you have those top six that we keep talking about, but if you're Lewis, you're sitting there, maybe that should have been kind of the, the writing on the wall. Maybe it's time to transfer now before the season starts like this spring or summer. And then to RJ's point about figuring things out, you're figuring things out. You might not get to play here you waited out the first three, four, five, six games, you know, roughly till you're halfway through the season and see where it goes because transferring now, you don't get to go play anywhere else. No, you have to sit out. Yeah. You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Yeah, more and more tractors going to be sharing rural roadways with a lot of commuters, and that can cause accidents, that can cause death. This is National Farm Safety Week, and we're focusing in on it here on the farm. So Charity Seebecker up with a story in just a moment. Weather-wise, it looks beautiful for Wisconsin. Today, sunshine, 72. Tomorrow, 30% chance of rain, 71. Wednesday, sunshine and 79. Thursday, sunshine and 80 degrees. Friday, sunshine, 79. So a lot of things that can be done in the great outdoors with that kind of weather forecast. Today is the 18th day of September. Tragedy struck Spring Valley, Wisconsin on this day back in 1942. After a day of heavy rain, water started rolling through the streets of Spring Valley. The village strung out along the Ogallee River in a deep valley had been inundated before, but this was no ordinary flood. By 11.30 at night, water in the streets was 12 to 20 feet deep and flowing at 12 to 15 miles an hour. Plus, there was debris like logs, lumber, and 
dislodged buildings. The rain kept up until the early morning hours. Honestly, residents were trapped in their homes or got carried downstream. Amazingly, there were no deaths or serious injuries. That flooding took place in Spring Valley, Wisconsin, up in northwest Wisconsin on this day in 1942. On this day in 1973, West Germany adopts the Deutschmark. That replaced the East German mark and helped complete the economic reunification part of the Union between East and West, the Deutschmark, adopted on this day back in 1973. And happy birthday to Jada Pinkett Smith, the wife of Will Smith. She is 52 years young today. Happy birthday. Now you know. Well, as I mentioned all week long, we are going to be putting special emphasis on safety. It is National Farm Safety and Health Week, and here in Wisconsin, Governor Tony Evers has declared it Wisconsin Farm Safety and Health Week. Charity Seebecker's got more on why we need to pay attention to safety every day, but especially during the harvest. It's National Farm Safety and Health Week. There are a lot of different aspects included when it comes to safety. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. Mary Bauer, OSHA Compliance Assistance Specialist, notes one of the trends they're seeing when it comes to farm safety is actually based on cultural differences and language barriers. She explains more about how to make safety a core value in all businesses and the resources that are available. So we kick off the week with equipment safety and road safety. ATVs have been very popular on farms, but they tend to be used like toys in a lot of respects. We have noted an uptick in injuries in ATV use in agriculture and in construction and various facilities. So they're going to focus on that. And then with road safety, it's, you know, getting uh, your vehicle's implements up and down the roadway without colliding with the motorists. Tuesday, we're doing health and wellness. If you are not feeling well, you're out of condition, your blood pressure's out of whack, you're not going to be a productive worker. So we go back to some of the basics of taking care of yourself so that you can be a more productive worker. Wednesday, they're going to look at priority populations, and that's just kind of some of the different groups that are getting into agriculture. Women in agriculture, they have a lot of group and talk and discussion around that. Native Americans, Amish, and again, they're going to put a mental health piece into that set of webinars. Thursday is confined space, and that's kind of where OSHA has a lot of issues, a lot of concerns, particularly in dairy and in grain, is manure storage, grain bin storage. We've actually had people into these poly tanks, the polyethylene tanks that are not designed to be entered, but either they store away or they have some other food product or feed product. And employees enter to repair valves or one fatality was to retrieve a tool. And these tanks are not designed to be entered. Make sure you have a good confined space program that you just plain don't enter them. Friday, mental health and stress relief. One of the things in farming with the drought conditions and with other stuff going on in the farming community, it is a high rate of suicide, high rate of depression, drinking, drug use. So try to get everybody in a good mental health framework, get in resources because the rural communities don't have access to enough mental health specialists and try to get help when you need it is a message there for Friday. That was Mary Bauer, OSHA Compliance Assistance Specialist. It may be National Farm Safety and Health Week for just this week, but safety is an everyday concern. You can find resources at the National Education Center for Agricultural Safety website. 
You can also go to MidwestFarmReport.com and find a link to resources in our article. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. They believe in protecting the families and children in our farming communities. Kids love to be included in the daily farm activities, but accidents can happen quickly. Reduce the chance of injury by making sure your farm is a safe environment for adults and kids. Learn more at RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. New location, new vision, same goal. The Farm and Industry Short Course is producing high-quality graduates ready for success in the dairy industry. The oldest agriculture training program in Wisconsin has stood the test of time. The 16-week program returns for fall 2023 at UW-River Falls. Learn from world-class faculty, live in the residence halls, earn college credits, and create lifelong friendships. Register today at uwrf.edu. Wisconsin Senator Joan Balwig from Marcus and along with Representative Todd Novak from Dodgeville are trying to enhance the choices you have at the pump when it comes to biofuels. They have introduced legislation that would basically allow for new retail or wholesale fueling facilities to get some extra funding to put in what we call blender pumps. That means it would give you an option of selecting fuel that contained at least 25% ethanol by volume. Balwig says right now they're looking for additional co-sponsors. So what this bill would do is say that when you have, uh, when you're putting in a new gas station, totally new, that you ought to have the type of uh, pumps that provide for blended fuels in higher volumes. And if you want to upgrade your pumps, that, you know, maybe we'll give you a little incentive to be able to provide that. It's something, it's something that um, uh, a retailer can choose to do. It's nothing that is required. That's Wisconsin Senator Joan Balwig. Her financial incentives would not only help with blender pumps to allow you to select different levels of ethanol at the pump, it also would encourage more storage for biodiesel. She said one misinformation piece that she's been dealing with is people believe that they would no longer have access to premium fuels with zero ethanol. She said that is not the case. You would still have that option as well. She is currently looking for additional co-sponsors on that biofuels bill. Markets in overnight electronic trade this morning trending a little bit lower. On Friday in Chicago, as far as dairy was concerned, barrel cheese dropped a penny to 181. 40-pound black cheese was down four at 188. Double-A butter on Friday down two and a half to 271 and three quarters per pound. This morning, we've got October milk down 13 right now at 1797. November milk is down 15 at 1818. December corn, that's up a penny and a half, currently at 477. November soybeans are down a penny at 1339. The July wheat currently down a penny at 650 and three quarters. A brand new state-of-the-art animal disease laboratory has been unveiled by the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Manhattan, Kansas. This project's been ongoing for a while. Basically, it's designed to protect against the threat and potential impact of serious animal diseases. The National Bio and Agro Defense Facility is really designed to replace Plum Island, where some of the most contagious animal diseases and pathogens are studied 
and controlled. National Cattlemen's Beef Association's chief veterinarian, Dr. Kathy Simmons, said that this state-of-the-art facility puts the United States ahead of the world, really. It gives us a state-of-the-art facility. We become one of the big five now or, uh, who have BSL-4 animal disease facilities uh, globally. There are only five countries that do, and we are one of them. And I think that gives us um, uh, a leg up in a lot of work that we can do uh, now uh, that maybe we couldn't have as easily in the past. With brand-new facilities, and uh, much of the staff came over uh, from Plum Island. Dr. Kathy Simmons, she is the chief veterinarian with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. The Department of Homeland Security has already given USDA the keys to the facility, and USDA is now working to facilitate the start of work in that new location. They believe now that the ribbon cutting and dedication is done, a lot of the scientists will be coming from Plum Island on the East Coast and moving to Manhattan. And obviously, in turn, the pathogens and some of the research that they've been doing will be moved from Plum Island to the facility in Manhattan, Kansas. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Oh, how great it would feel to have your 20-year-old knees, shoulders, hips, and back. You know, you don't think about your pains when you're in your 20s or 30s, but you wish you could get that body back when you're in your 60s. I think QC did that for me. For Patrick, it started with a simple phone call to QC Kinetics. One day I was driving and I just heard the radio and I pulled over and took the number and I called them when I got home. Maybe that's you and you're listening right now. Why wait? QC Kinetics Regenerative Treatments uses your body's own natural biologics to heal and restore damaged tissue without invasive surgery or harmful drugs. And as for the results... My knees are as good as they were when I was in my 20s. I'm really happy with what happened. For Patrick... It's like QC Kinetics turned back the clock. Now it's your turn. Call QC Kinetics today for your complimentary consultation. Call QC Kinetics, 608-319-1750. That's 608-319-1750. 608-319-1750. We all get hit by the storms of life. I had noticed my legs were swelling, and we went to Maine Medical Hospital. And they said, oh, Mr. Conquest, can you get up for your MRI? And I remember pushing up off the bed, and I fell. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later, and I was paralyzed. It was a pretty low point to not be able to do the things that I love to do. PVA was there the first day. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments. The benefits they've earned the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. PVA has brought me back to life. I've fallen a few times and PVA is like, get up. We just keep getting up. To learn more, go to pva.org today. Bringing home the bacon, literally. This is the Midwest Farm Report. The Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation is the largest agricultural organization in the state of Wisconsin. A lot of their work centers on advocating for farmers and those within the agriculture industry at the local, state, and federal level, especially on the policy front. Part of the way that they are doing this work is through the government relations team. 
I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report speaking with Jason Munyaini. Jason is the director of a government relations team for Wisconsin Farm Bureau, and he is here to share exciting details about the campaign school that the Wisconsin Farm Bureau is going to be hosting here in October. Jason, can you tell me what was the motivation for organizing a campaign school? Well, I think one of the primary things that we as Farm Bureau need to recognize is that We have people in every county across the state, and as you said, we're the largest advocacy organization for farmers in rural communities in Wisconsin. And when we consider that, there are county government positions and local government positions that impact agriculture just as much as the state and federal governments do. And we need to make sure that those elected positions in uh, in counties and towns across the state have people who are knowledgeable about agriculture, that when they're making ordinances and drafting resolutions, that agriculture is top of mind and that we have support in local government just as we have support in state and federal government to make sure that those types of concerns and accurate information is being shared. So one of the ways that we can do that is by hosting a campaign school, putting more farmers in elected positions to make sure that the concerns and voices of agriculture are reaching not only into the state house, but into local governments as well. We've got campaign school October 11th and 12th here at the Farm Bureau headquarters. This is going to be our first one annually. I think that it's going to be an opportunity for folks across the state from, you know, the local elected town board, all the way through county government, and even into state representative and state senate, to have an opportunity to learn from American Farm Bureau political strategists and you know, really a crash course on organizing your campaign, reaching out to rural voters, understanding how campaign strategy and a campaign announcement are important to the success for a campaign and provide them with information that they might not be able to get someplace else. And I think that over time, this can serve as one of the premier opportunities for campaign training in the state of Wisconsin. So was this all created from scratch, or was this based on perhaps a model from another organization or group? It started at the American Farm Bureau, and they provide this as a resource to farm bureaus across the country. And other farm bureaus have taken advantage of this, and now Wisconsin's next in line to take advantage of this. So it's not just going to be Wisconsin Farm Bureau doing a lot of the training, but this is a course that's been developed and perfected over time by engaging with states across the United States from American Farm Bureau's perspective. And they're going to bring people in here to share their success stories and challenges that they've seen in other states so that we can have probably one of the better training models and perfected kind of sources over time, especially when it comes towards reaching rural voters, which a lot of the times campaigns overlook in in relation to saying, well, you know, urban voters are closer together, that's easier to hit doors. But at the same time, Rural voters need to be addressed as well, and reaching out to those voters is sometimes a little trickier. So this is really going to provide an opportunity for people who want to get engaged with rural politics and get in touch with rural voters, a unique opportunity to be able to do that. As far as the presenters go, is it going to be a mix of American Farm Bureau staff, Wisconsin Farm Bureau staff? Are you going to have any elected officials come and present? You're exactly correct. So it will be some of our staff working with American Farm Bureau staff, and we'll have people from American Farm Bureau coming here to Wisconsin to help conduct some of the training. And I'm excited because I think that there are actually going to be some elected state representatives who are going to actually take the course and learn about some of the things that we're doing here and help bring that message back to maybe some of their caucus members or colleagues so that we can have more 
more people participate in the future. And I really believe that over time, this will be one of the best campaign training schools that we'll have in Wisconsin. So what will make this training different than, say, the training that would be provided to candidates who are connected to a political party? It's entirely different. This is a nonpartisan political training tool. This is something where we have people who are engaged specifically in advocacy. And it's not going to be a rural training program. It's really all-encompassing. But there is going to be a focus on making sure that you're getting in touch with rural voters and things along those lines. But because it's a nonpartisan and it's going to be non-biased in the ways in which you connect with those people, it's really an informational tool and a strategy and organizational tool that I think will give a different perspective to people considering political office that isn't partisan. Now, looking at the folks you're trying to target here, are you pretty open about who's going to come to the campaign school? Are you hoping that it's perhaps more Farm Bureau members or people from that hard agricultural background? I mean, sure. Of course, I want more people who are part of agriculture and engaged in production agriculture to join the campaign school. But it's really open to anybody. It's open to candidates, potential candidates, spouses of candidates, campaign managers, people who are just interested in how a campaign operates. It's really wide open an opportunity for people to get engaged. And I think that there's a unique opportunity for people who take this first class to help improve that and serve as ambassadors in the future. And I really hope that that ends up being the case. It's a $100 class if you're a Farm Bureau member. It's $175 if you're not. So when you consider that a Farm Bureau membership annually is between $55 and $65, you can do a little bit of the math yourself there. But this really is an opportunity, I think, not only just for Farm Bureau members, but for people who are engaged in political advocacy or in campaign work in general. So for those who are interested in pursuing the campaign school, how do they go about getting signed up and connected? Well, you can go straight to our website, wfbf.com backslash campaign school. But if you just look up on Google, Wisconsin Farm Bureau Campaign School, it'll be the first thing that pops up on the page. And has that registration already opened up? And what are numbers looking like so far? Well, registration's opened up. And because it's the first year, we want to make sure that we're getting people in. But so far, we have a pretty strong registration and there's still a few spots open. So if you're interested, sign up and we'll be taking applicants right up until the day before. And if registration is closed, feel free to give us a call, shoot us an email or connect with us through our website, wfpf.com. And I'm hopeful that we'll be able to find spots for everybody. Is there anything else that you would like to share, Jason? I think the campaign school is going to be something that we're going to develop over time and will continue to be a new tool. And I think that when we're considering candidates in the future, attending a campaign school that's put on by uh, Wisconsin Farm Bureau and American Farm Bureau will be a really important element of our assessment of candidates in the future. The campaign school is going to be opened up here at the beginning of October, October 11th and 12th. And this is an opportunity for anybody who is interested in knowing a little bit more about how to run a campaign, both at the local and state level, with an agriculture twist to it, to get involved and to participate. And it is Jason's hope that this can be a premier candidate school for anybody who's interested in running for office here in the state of Wisconsin.